This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to have you here on a Wednesday night. I was going to say a Friday night, but it's not Friday. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Get your hand up and we will get a Bible in your hand. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a Bible, that one they give you, just take it home with you, okay? We just want to sow the Word of God into. Once you do get a Bible, go with me to the book of Malachi 3, just another area that um, we cut our teeth on in the area of giving. That this is scriptures that I heard almost 45 years ago now that begin to work within me. And so, again, you're going to Malachi 3. So if I told you biblically I could show you where God wants to bless you, and I said, how many of you would like to be blessed? Well, I would hope it would be unanimous. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, want, I want the blessing of the Lord. And when we use the word blessed, that, that doesn't just mean money, okay? Man, the blessing of the Lord is peace, it's well-being. Man, there's so much that happens with that word blessed. So in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 9, it says, You are cursed with a curse. Now, that word cursed there, you got to understand the meaning of it. It means a sentence or to actually be afflicted. So within this, he says, you are cursed with a curse. And, And what's crazy about this, it's almost like God's telling us or he's given me and you the instructions on how to be cursed. You want to be cursed? And so he goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, if you were here the last couple weeks, and I got on every verse, verse 6, 7, and 8, that we know he's talking about with tithes and offerings. Now, to help clear some of that up, when people say, well, that's Old Testament, you're right, it is Old Testament, but in verse 6, it says, God said, I don't change. So if he doesn't change, then when did he change? I don't believe he did. And so he said, you're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me. And so when I I read that here, how am I cursed? It's through disobedience that I disobey a fundamental choice. Let me just say this, with with the tithe and an offering, that's a choice. Every sacrifice is based on preference. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food or resources in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough for you to receive it. Now right there, he says, I want to bless you. God says, I want to bless you. And he tells us how to be blessed. And so many times people would say, well, you know, I'm praying that over my life. Well, before you pray, Malachi 3.10, you got to obey before you pray. You can't be praying that without actually obeying the scriptures. And so when you read right here, God is telling us through his word, I want to bless you. I want to bless every part of your life. But again, I must follow God's scripture and I must obey what it says. Will it be a a test of your life? It'll be a test. I can tell you 40 years ago when me and Shelly started honoring God, 
My, my head went squirrely. You know what that was? It was like, it was freaking out. Father God, how can I do this? I've got more month than money. Any of you ever had more month than money? And you're saying, this doesn't add up, Father God. This doesn't make sense. But here I am 40 plus years later, and we still stand on that. We still stand on Malachi 3.10. We st it's an honor. And so what happens here? is God blesses you and God blesses me. And you know why God blesses us? He blesses us to be a blessing. You can't bless others unless you're blessed. And so that's the thing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. And that's what God wants us to all do. And so you, you that agree with me said amen. amen. The rest of you might as well say oh me. Come on, let's, let's pray here. Father God, we love you. We honor you here. Lord, even... With our tithes and offerings, Lord, you, you make it very clear. And so, Lord, I ask you to grace here. Let the eyes of understanding be enlightened. And Father God, that we get, a, we get to see your true heart here, that you're as a God who loves to bless your children. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good to see you out, man. I'm ready to go here. Turn with me to the book of James. Back there in the, old, uh, the New Testament, toward the back. Right after Hebrews is the book of James. You're going to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, as you're turning there, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk. Now, that word walk is a verb. To walk means you got to do something. There's got to be something going on to walk by faith. And so, when we start here in the book of, of, of James Faith has zero value unless it's acted upon through the word of God. I, I got to act. I got to do something with my faith. I, I got to believe God and step out by faith or, or it becomes useless. So you get here the book of James and whether you realize it or not, James is Jesus' half-brother. And there's some things in this passage here where it almost seems like James and the Apostle Paul are contradicting themselves. And you'll see some of the, the passage here where you look and say, that, that's, that's contradicting it. But the more you study the book of James, the more you realize what the Apostle Paul talked about faith, even what the Lord Jesus talked about faith, and what James talks about faith, they don't contradict each other. Actually, they complete each other. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit my brethren, or what good is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, he claims he has faith, but he does not have works. He does not demonstrate no good works. In other words, you can have the right words, but the wrong actions. Hmm. He ends verse 14, and he says, can faith save him? How could this kind of faith save anyone in what he's talking about? How could a faith that merely talks save anyone? Interesting question. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? So let's, let's really break down verses 15 and 16 with what he's saying there. So if, if a person comes to you and says, I'm cold, they don't need you to preach to them. 
They actually need you to give them a coat or a blanket. And if a brother comes to you and says, I'm hungry, they don't need you to preach a sermon to them. They need a ham sandwich. That's what he's talking about. You got to give them something. You got to do something. And so he begins to lay some things out for us here. Verse 17. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. Faith that doesn't involve action or produce faction, he says it's phony. In other words, God talk without God acts is outrageous. And so was James telling us here, you could actually have useless faith. Wow. Verse 18. But someone will say, they'll talk, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, when he talks about this, you don't get saved by good works and good deeds. That's not what he's saying at all. So we go back to Ephesians 2.8. The apostle Paul said this. He said, you're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. So this is what he's talking about. But he goes on here a little deeper and, and he's saying, again, my deeds don't earn salvation. But the faith he's talking about, there must be some physical proof or some evidence that you got born again. So I can go around all day and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But there's no verification of that in my life. And so when you got born again, it may not have happened immediately. But when you start getting around people kinfolk family and they looked at you and said what happened to you what happened you go to the family reunion and I said what happened to you you don't talk like you used to talk you so again they're seeing your faith in action they're seeing that it's more than just the talk so there's a walk that goes on what he's talking about right here verse 19 now listen real close this is an incredible verse right here you believe that there is one God, you do well. Good for you, wonderful. Even the demons believe and tremble. Even the demons know this, yet the demons are unchanged. They have no supporting works to go with what they say or they believe. That's interesting. Even the demons believe in Jesus. But there's no change in them. Hmm. Verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? The word dead, literal meaning in this, is useless. So was James telling us there, there can be a, a useless faith? That faith that is divorced of good works is a phony. It's nothing real. Now, I believe as human beings, none of us are adequate to fully understand and define faith. None of us. I, I'm inadequate to fully define faith for you. I'm just telling you right there. 
But just because I can't fully define or illustrate faith doesn't mean I can't benefit from it and doesn't mean I still can't use it. Now, how many of you in here have ever flown an airplane, on an airplane? You haven't flown an airplane. There's only a few. Thank God you haven't flown an airplane. How many have ever flown on an airplane? Let me ask you a question. Did you fully understand what everything had to take place for that plane to fly down the runway and get enough speed to go up in the air? And did you fully understand what caused that airplane to stand there? And did you fully understand what has to take place for it to land safely? I didn't, but I sure did benefit off of it. It sure did save me a lot of time. Think about that even with the car. That most of us in here, we know the basics of a car. There are some of you that will know more in depth than car, but I know for a car to operate, it's got to have gas, it's got to have battery, it's got to have Ford tires, or I'm not going anywhere. But I don't sit in my driveway day by day thinking, man, I, I really don't understand. No, I benefit off of it, even though I don't fully understand it, and that's the same with faith. Now, let me give you a real good example. How many of you have ever been sitting there eating some type of dessert and you said, ooh, I wish I had a glass of ice cold milk right now to, to, to have with this? Now, here's what's crazy about a glass of milk. The milk is white, and it comes from a black cow that eats green grass. Now, tell me that one. Even though I fully don't understand, I still can enjoy that glass of milk. And see, I think this is the area of faith. And so what begins to happen with faith is I begin to, to live by faith. I got to trust God and I got to believe God and I got to step out by faith. So before you believe God for a three-tiered cake, maybe you ought to believe God for a donut. And before you believe God for a donut, maybe you ought to believe God for just that little donut hole. The reason I say that because I can take you back into the New Testament and I can see the life of Peter and those disciples. And there were times in their life where Jesus looked at him. Actually, Mark 4, he looked at him and said, you have no faith. He said that to his disciples, you have no faith. But then later on in the scriptures, you begin to look at what Peter and John and the rest of those and their faith had grown. Your faith can grow, but you gotta do something with it. What do I got to do? I got to act on the word of God. I got to just act on the word of God. Just obey the word of God. Again, in the area of tithing, is it a step of faith? It's a huge step of faith. But what happens is when you step out by faith and you begin to see God move in your life, you begin to say, ooh, I can trust him. I've seen God faithful in this area. So my faith begins to grow. And I go from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. But I got to begin somewhere. Now, the last verse in this passage I want to read is verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Faith must be demonstrated and not just discussed. I, I got to act on it. Now, to go a little further tonight, go with me back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. 
And as you're turning to Matthew 8, sometimes we have the thought, why is this faith such a big deal? Well, I, I can't find in any of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, that Jesus ever marveled over somebody's education, their looks, or their talents. But I can see over and over, he was amazed by people's level of faith. Over and over. So we begin here, Matthew chapter 8. Verse number five. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, Capernaum's on the Sea of Galilee, the far north end of the Sea of Galilee. And the reason I highlight that is because in Capernaum, it's amazing how many miracles Jesus did. So you got Capernaum that sits on the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and right above it is Matthew 5, 6, 7, the, the Sermon on the Mount. That was right there in all that area. And so Jesus did a lot of his ministry right there. And so he goes up to Capernaum. And a centurion, a Roman military officer, better stated, a Gentile. He's not even a Jew. He came to Jesus pleading with him. Some translation says he was literally asking for a miracle. Verse 6. And the centurion saying, Lord. Now it's interesting. He addresses Jesus as Lord. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. In other words, he's in bad shape. Now, it's interesting to me that this Roman military officer, he's pleading on behalf of his servant. He's going to Jesus on behalf of his servant, and to a degree, I think it's like, he said, I'm, I'm going to allow this servant of mine to piggyback off of my faith. Can we piggyback off of other people's faith? Absolutely, because we're the body of Christ. And I don't care who you are. There's times in your life you're going to need to piggyback off of somebody else. That's why it's so important that we have each other. That we can look to someone and say, I need you to pray. I need you to stand. I need you to lay hands on me. Verse 7. So Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. Now, this is always interesting to me. Jesus hears this guy pleading with him, and Jesus says, let's go and I'll heal him. Let's go and I'll heal him. Now, it's important that, that we see Jesus' words right here. Let's go and I'll heal him. And so Jesus hears this guy's word. Now, you got to think about this. Jesus is strolling to Capernaum, and this guy comes to Jesus. And if notice back in verse 3, he came to Jesus, and Jesus is okay when we come to him. And, and he tells Jesus, let's go. And, and the centurion's hearing everything Jesus says to him, let's go. And, and watch closely verses 8 and 9. This centurion's response. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, 
addresses Jesus as Lord. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, when he said, only speak a word and my servant will be healed, there's a cross-reference in there. And I thought, what does that cross-reference say? Now, I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm going to turn there. Write it down, Psalms 107.20. Listen to what Psalms 107.20 says. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, if I read my Bible correctly in Hebrews 13, the Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. And so when he says that he, he, he says, just speak a word and, and my servant will be healed. Now, it's interesting. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And then he says in verse 9, for I also am a man under authority, have the soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes, and to another come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does it. This military officer understood authority. And when Jesus says, let's go and I'll heal him, he comes back and he says, wait, wait just a minute. And then he goes into this big explanation and he says, I'm a man with authority and those ones that are underneath me, when I give them a command, whether I'm there present or in, 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 in the neighborhood or I've given them a command, they obey the command. They obey the order when I give it. And he said, just give the command. You don't even have to come to my house. Just give the command, Lord. Just, just say the word. Now again, he addresses Jesus as Lord. And he said, you say the word, you give the command and my servant will be healed. And my servant will be healed. Okay, so think about this. They're, they're in Capernaum. Jesus tells this guy, let's go and I'll heal him. The guy tells him, I understand authority. I get, just, just give the command, Jesus. And so the whole time you're sitting there thinking, Jesus is checking this dude out. He's listening to him. Now watch Jesus' response here. This is incredible. Verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He was taken back. He was astonished. So I read those words, marveled and taken back and astonished. And you know what jumps to me real quick? I said, I want to know specifically what causes Jesus to marvel and be astonished and be taken back by other people. Now listen to what he says. He marveled and said to those who followed him, Assuredly say to you, I have not found such great faith. Not just faith. I haven't found such great faith. So what was this guy's great faith? He understood the authority that Jesus carried. And you know how that plays with me and you? In Jesus' name. In Jesus, and you know what our command is? In Jesus' name. 
Colossians 3 says, everything I do in word or deed, I do in the name of Jesus. If you go to the Great Commission in Mark 16, over and over he said, preach the word. Lay hands on the sick in my name. Cast out devils in my name, my name, my name, my name. And it's interesting, he said, I haven't found such great faith, not even in Israel. So you know what he's saying? This, this Gentile, he's got more faith than anybody I know in Israel, all the Jews combined. And so I begin to look at all this and I'm thinking, this centurion he had total trust and confidence that when Jesus speaks or gives the command, things happen. You know what I said? Oh, Lord, grace me with that type of faith right there. Grace me with that type of faith. Strengthen my faith. Grace my faith. It's all interesting, isn't it? See, when I read about this guy, it wasn't because he was some type of superhero. He wasn't a spiritual giant. But what he did understand, he understood authority. And you've got to know Jesus, first of all, as Lord of your Savior. And then I come to the place where I understand the authority of Jesus and the authority of the Word of God. And so I go back and I think about this with Peter. When Peter said to him in Mark 4, or when the Lord said to Peter in Mark 4, ye of no faith, Peter didn't whine, he didn't cry. He kept getting around Jesus for all those years. And he began to trust Jesus and more and more. Remember, Peter's the one that Jesus, he said, can I walk on the water? And Jesus said, come on, come on. But I pick up in Acts 3 with Peter. And Peter and John go to the temple. This is Acts 3, verses 1 through about 6. Peter and John go to the temple at 9 in the morning. They're strolling in, and there's this guy out there begging for alms. And Peter looked at him and said, Hey, pal, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And then it says, and he grabbed him and picked him up. You know what Peter just said right there? Come on, pal, piggyback on my faith. So at one time in Peter's life, he piggybacked off of Jesus' faith. But now Peter's telling this guy, I got enough faith in the Lord Jesus. And he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so I begin to look at that over and over and over again. And I saw his faith grows and your faith can grow. But I got to start doing something with the faith that, given, that Jesus has given me. So there's got to become a confidence and a trust within me. Well, I said, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Chapter 8, where we were, verse 13. Now watch this. Matthew 8, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. Go your way. Now remember verse 7, Jesus said to him, Let's go and I'll heal him. But in verse 13, Jesus says, go your way. So if you read into that, Jesus said, I'm not going anywhere. Go your way. Now watch what he says. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. 
as you have believed, so let me. So what did the guy believe? He said in Matthew 8, 8, he said, you just give the command and my servant will be healed. And now Jesus looks at him and says, I made the command. I gave the command. And as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. See, I go back and I look and I think, I need my faith increased, Lord. I need to step out as you have believed. So let me ask you a question. How are you believing? Do I trust God? Do I trust the name of Jesus? Do I trust the Bible? Do I trust the word of God? You know, I was studying this afternoon and people have had to trust God and trust the Lord Jesus their entire life. How do I trust God and the Lord Jesus? I get into the word. That comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in the book of Exodus, that chapter three, God goes, gets on Moses and he says, I want you to send a, a telegram to Pharaoh, the king. And tell him, let my people go. And Moses looked at him and said, Father God, who do I tell him sent me? And God said, tell him, I am that I am sent you. The name I am that I am in the Hebrew is four letters. Four consonants, no vowels. Y-H-W-H, which most believes is Yahweh. And he literally says, tell him I am that I am sent you. So when you look at that, I am what I am because I am says who I am. Say that again. I am who I am because I am says who I am. So when I say that, this is what I always get from that with the Lord Jesus. I can be who God says I can be. I can do what God says I can do. And I can have what God says I can have because my trust is in Father God. It's, it's, not, it's, it's in Father God. And so let, let, me, let me highlight that just a little bit right here. Do you know the Lord calls us, Romans 8, he calls us more than conquerors. Well, Pastor, I'm not a conqueror. Well, according to the Bible, you're more than a conqueror. That's what God says about you. Do you know in Revelations 12, he says you're an overcomer. You're not an undercomer, you're an overcomer. And, and in, in Philippians 4, he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I got to get to a place in my life, just like the centurion, the centurion where I start believing, this is who God says I am. This is what God says I can be. This is what God says I can do. And it just becomes a step of faith that says, Father God, grace me. I, I, I want to believe you. I want to trust you. I want to stretch my faith this week. 
And so if you're going through areas in your life, start saying that, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. When you got errors in your life where I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. And the next time you get in a situation where you say, I can't do that, I go back and say, well, the Lord said I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And so now I'm putting all my faith and I'm putting all my trust and all my confidence in what God said about me. And that's the key for I start saying who God says I am. Why don't you stand up here with me? So I struggle, I struggle, I struggle, I struggle the first 19, 20 years. I'm actually more than that with this thing called alcohol. Wore me out. Dominated. Anybody in here ever been dominated by something? I was dominated by it. And I started reading the Bible one day and it said he's qualified me as a partaker of the inheritance in life. Colossians 1.13. He said, I've delivered you from the power of darkness. I've delivered you. I, I have delivered you. It wasn't in the... the, the the past, it was in the present, it's I have delivered you. So I looked at it and I said, he's delivered me from the power of darkness. He's delivered me from alcohol. This is what God said about me. I've delivered you. And so I began to quote the Bible. I started saying what God said about me. I stepped out by faith and said, Father God, in the name of I've been delivered from that. From the time we begin to pray that, and I say we, me and Shelly, I wrote that scriptures on three by five cards. I put it on the dash. I put it on my mirror. I, I would speak over it day, day, day by day, but every day. No telling how many times a day I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I'd look in the mirror and say, alcohol has no dominion. No, you've been delivered. Jesus said, I've delivered you from the power of darkness. Did you get set free, Pastor, overnight? Not hardly. From the time we begin to pray that and speak that, it took four years. Because the word of God wasn't good. No, the word of God was good. But the more I begin to say about myself that what God said about me, the more it began to take root. And when it started, it had to go through some really hard ground. But I kept saying, I kept, he's delivered me, he's delivered me, delivered me. And I stand before you today because of the goodness of God the power of the word of God and say, I can trust the God who said me that. Come on, let me quit. I'm gonna get, keep going. Raise your hands here. Father God, we love you tonight. And just how you move, Father God, even, even with the centurion, how he had complete confidence in, in you and your word and who you are. Lord, I pray right now you swell in every one of our hearts, our spirits today. That you would grace us. And Father God, the areas of our life that are depleted, Lord, we welcome you right now. And if we're here tonight and we don't have faith, Father God, grace the rest of us to say, piggyback off. And we'll believe God with you. We'll trust God for you today. In the name, it's through Jesus Christ. And so Lord, right now, I loose the blessing of the Lord in here. 
I loose that. And Father God, to ones that are standing here right now, I speak this prophetically. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Woo, I sense the Lord saying, I give you permission tonight that you can be and you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. And Lord, I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.